Welcome to Behind the Scenes with Brian, the podcast covering everything from engineering, mining, and mine waste management to whatever else may be on our minds. Pop in your headphones and don't forget to rate, subscribe, and share. And now, here is your host, Brian Ulrich. Hey everyone, this is Brian and this is Behind the Scenes with Brian and today I am joined by Laura Register. Laura, how are you today? I'm well, thank you, Brian. How are you? Good, yeah, yeah. Keeping it together during the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, I imagine you're working from home? You know, actually, I'm in the office today. Um, oh, okay. I am, I am. I It's a little better connectivity and um, I had some Zoom calls, so... Ah. Okay. Well, good. That's good to have that option available. Yes. Yeah. So, Laura, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and and your college days? Well, maybe not your college days. <laughs> we could go all hour with that. Your, your, educa- your education. Let's say your education. That's right. The, the formal education. So, I am an engineer. I um, got a degree in uh, civil engineering. From Vanderbilt University, that's how I came to be in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, I got dropped off uh, uh, close to downtown about when I was 17 years old, and I've been there ever since. I um, um, in Nashville. I um, have always worked post college um, in the geoprofessional industry um, as an engineer, and. Um, moved into the business side of that pretty early on. Um, I loved engineering as a student. My dad and my brother um, were engineers. Uh, My brother still is. And uh, I'd seen a wonderful role models from them and others. Um, And when I joined, um, went out into employment, I found that I loved the business side of it. So that's through my career, I was on the technical side and and got my PE, which for those who don't know is the professional engineering license, which is very important for us um, to do business uh, with integrity and um, health, safety and welfare of the public. But uh, loved, after I did that, I I really veered into the um, business and client side of things. And I've been doing that strongly ever since. So um, in my role now, I am, lead a strategic business sector for an engineer. Right. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. There's not too many people that get get attracted into the business side without getting an MBA. So was there something that sparked that change? You know, that's so funny that you say that because I've always wondered um, if I should have gone back early on and gotten my MBA. I Engineering was hard. I don't know about you, but for yeah. me, it was, you know, oh, it was yeah. a hard curriculum. Yeah. Yeah. Um, especially get through it in four years and then and then to get your PE. Um, that was a lot of work. And at the time, I didn't want to. And quite frankly, very recently, I, I've thought about it. But, you know, I've learned so much on the job and kind of uh, the, the, the work I've done thus far has, has kind of led me to be pretty successful on the business side. But I've always wondered what I would have learned more yeah right Right. and i'm sure the mba programs differ from school to school but i read a book uh, several years ago called the 10-day mba 
Yeah. And it doesn't mean that you get a fake MBA after reading this book, but it does give you a taste of what you might learn in an MBA program. I think it covers 10 different courses. And I, I would say it should be recommended reading for anybody that thinks they want to pursue an MBA. And after I read that one, I decided no, MBA is not for me. I, I like the technical side of engineering. Right, right, exactly, exactly. Well, good, yeah. It's funny how our paths go, though, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, very, very, uh, yeah. And, and so what is it that you do for your company now? You, you're with Terracon. I am. I am. And Terracon's a geoprofessional firm, um, pretty typical of, of a very large firm. We're in the domestic U.S. with our offices. Um, and I run um, a, a strategic business sector focused on healthcare. So projects, um, clients um, that, that have to do with, with healthcare. And, you know, we have that in, in every one of our offices. We've got about 155 offices around the country. Um, I strategically grow that business and help our offices um, work on that business. So, um, so I, I I get to every day work internally and externally um, um, on a very strategic focused business growth. Yeah. So, uh, in in the olden days, pre-virus, you were probably on an airplane quite a bit. 75% of the time. Yeah, yeah. Now yeah. it was, I had yeah. my frequent, I still have those frequent flyer miles. Right? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, 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 exactly. yeah, yeah, me too, me too. <laughs> so Laura, you, you somehow got into diversity and inclusion somewhere in your, your career, and I understand that you're on the GBA task force. I am. We actually helped start the task force, understanding uh, a friend of yours and mine, Kim Morris, and I co-chair that for GBA. I'm a past president of GBA. I was uh, the first and so far only female president huh. of GBA, which was to me a, a huge honor yeah. uh, and accomplishment. And um, we can do better than that, <laughs> quite yeah. frankly, yeah. you know, as an association and as a, as a profession. And so knowing that diversity and inclusion is critical for our businesses, GBA focuses on the business of, of our geoprofessional firms, um, optimizing business and, 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 and uh, navigating risk. And um, so we knew that we really needed to kind of overtly look at that. And so Kim and I, um, at the, the request of the board, uh, started a task force and we've been going for a little over a year now. Um, and uh, kind of putting the pieces in place. And I, I, you're generous um, saying that I've been doing this for a long time because I really haven't. Mm. I have experienced things that um, in uh. my career that make me understand the need for diversity and inclusion personally yeah. um, and have kind of built up that reservoir of experience. But I'm by no means an expert or really have been digging into this for as long as um, a lot of other people have. And so I've been tapping, um, tapping other resources, doing some research and, and trying to bring that to bear for the organization. Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting what you said about being the president of the GBA. About uh, 15 or 20 years ago, a friend of mine named Barb Phyllis, who was one of my uh, supervisors at a previous company, she was elected president of the Society of Mining Engineers. 
and I could be wrong, but I think she was also the last female president of the SMA. And even if I'm missing one person, that's still not very representative. Right, right. So how do you make that difference? questions we've asked ourselves. How do you make sure that the pipeline to leadership in that organization and in the firms that are members of that organization, how do we help that? Right. And you've got to have the bandwidth also, because I know that Kim would be highly qualified to fill that role, but she, she gets heavily utilized <laughs> everywhere. Right. We need to spread the love. We need yeah. to, to yeah. yeah. And, and not just in, in gender, but in, in ethnicity, race and ethnicity, um, yeah. a lot better. So, so that's what we're, you know, that's where we've been putting our focus and doing it overtly. So setting up a, um, a task force, which is actually going to move into a committee. So it'll be a full-time committee. Oh, okay. Okay. And, and is, there, is there any lessons learned from this task force so far? Uh, that there's a lot of different things you can do. So <laughs> stay mm. focused, get focused. Um, I think for us, it was how can we be the best resource? Because we're not um, going to fix it for our member firms, but perhaps we can spotlight it for our member firms and offer yeah. resources. And so that's been, um, you know, for many of us on the committee, we're, we are naturally problem solvers. We're engineers and scientists. And so, you know, how do we solve the problem? That's, that's not really um, what we can do, that, what we're, we're, we're best set up to do, though. What we need to do is put a spotlight on it. So um, our first, our, one of our biggest activities thus far has been uh, researching and writing an article for Geostrata magazine. Um, on the pipeline to diversity and inclusion in the geoprofessions. And that, I think, has been a good um, jumping off point for us as a task force um, to understand where the profession is and where maybe it needs to get spotlight where it needs to go. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. And I suppose the spotlight has to be from the management level, right? Or, or does it start even further down than that? You know, I think it starts even further down, right? I think, um, you know, you've got even back into the education, where do you recruit from? Who do you bring in as your, as your, um, your, 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 your staff level? Um, how do they become and, and contribute to a, a really inclusive culture? Um, one of the interesting findings we asked, we, we did a survey of our uh, geoprofessional member firms and individual employees responded. And we asked the question, where does the responsibility um, for DNI come in, in yeah. companies? And it was split. One would think mm. that it's at the leadership level, yeah. but half of those responding, and many of these are decision makers, in their companies, half said it's the staff, all of the staff, and half said it comes from leadership. So even within our companies, we're not really sure where that responsibility lies. And mm. I could argue either way, you know. Yeah, right, right. And uh, maybe I should back up a little bit and, and ask you how you differentiate diversity from inclusion. Sure. Um, 
So inclusion is kind of the climate where diversity thrives. So diversity is the makeup of your employees. And it can be those things that are obvious, like gender, race, ethnicity, age. Um, yeah. It can be thought. It can be, mm. you know, how where your perceptions come from. Um, so geographic diversity. You know, when I'm putting a team together, I'm looking at a lot of different things to create diversity that may not be the ones that we kind of check boxes all the time. So diversity is just just that it's it's that that opportunity to bring as many different perspectives into your um into your teams as well. yeah and you might even throw educational diversity into that absolutely yeah. absolutely you know when we talked about technical versus um client and business that's a diversity that you want yeah, to get. all right. of those things become diversity so we don't want to limit ourselves by even even just limiting to those things we, that, that, that check the box although that's typically where we start but inclusion uh, yes inclusion is that climate that says okay diversity matters having those diverse perspectives perspectives um bringing in those um, different ways of thinking about things that really matters um, and it it affects our business it affects how we do business and it affects how well we do business yeah um, yeah and so that's to to me that's that's the difference um and, and i think that's to a lot of people and many will say that that you should start with inclusion um, even before you start with focusing on diversity so when we talk about shining a light on on how how best do we shine a light on it um i think we understand it we yeah. look at the numbers um you know back to the article that we're writing we're, we're looking at the actual numbers what's the pipeline look like where are we starting um, mm. where along that pipeline could we make change so bringing a spotlight to, to that understanding it um, and then having conversations um you know you can think you understand um the effect of of um non-diversity but until you yeah. having conversations um I, I don't think you really do and um, i know that's been the fact for me recently with the george floyd and understanding racial discrimination i i used to parallel racial discrimination discrimination through the lenses I, I parallel it to my own experience with gender discrimination and i used to think that was enough and i now know that it's not it's not the same thing it doesn't take it to the level that i need to take it to to understand yeah um, that and so having those conversations sharing those stories about what is it that we really experience um in our in, in in this case in our work lives um in the geo professions what is it we really experience and what are we not willing to put up with anymore? Um, yeah yeah like like you say there's parallels between sexism and racism but i i would think you've never been followed around in a store suspiciously because you're a woman exactly exactly yeah. and and i um, you know, I haven't been completely discounted because of my skin color. I, mm. I've never been discounted, probably because. Uh, of right, or people cross people crossing the street to avoid you. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So it's 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 very different. And um, I used to, 
probably still do have a little bit of one, but you said a huge chip on my shoulder for some of the things I had to go through. And mm. I look back on that now and say, I have still achieved so much in spite of some of the things that yeah. Yeah. Like. And I don't know that I would have if I had had it, had added um, racial discrimination to that. Place. Yeah. So do you think the newest, the youngest generation of engineers are have a different outlook than people who have been in the profession for a while? Is, is there, uh, I, I think the cross-section of students is different over the years. And I, I just wonder if they see things differently than we do. I think they're gonna be the ones that insist that we make change yeah. faster than we chose it to make. Mm. I think they're the ones that are going to insist that what they see as important is, um, and what we know is important, we know diversity creates a better company, creates yeah. a better bottom line yeah. financially. Um, creates, I think they're gonna be the ones that say, I have choices and I'm gonna to go to the companies that, that offer me a more inclusive environment. Even if I'm not the minority, I, you know, I still see, I see my own children who are, you know, who are white, um, you know, have white privilege. I see yeah. them choosing to work for companies that, um, that offer them opportunities for diversity and inclusion. Um, in their in their mix, so yeah. I think they're going to insist. I think I think we're yeah. we just need to listen, you know. We just yeah, to to tap into that. Yeah, I I lived in South Africa for four years, and there there's there's a real um, separation between the haves and the have-nots. But in in my opinion, once um, the the kids that are my children's age. Once they have a family, they'll those new parents will understand much greater the value of a good education, and they'll make sure that their kids get a good education, and and that'll help to improve the country a lot. So it's kind of similar to what you're saying about yeah. You just have to let the generations, you know, the new, yeah. let them, and I think that's part of you know when we look at the pipeline to diversity in the GIA professions, what we really need to look at is, okay, if we're bringing diversity in the door, are we keeping it and we're bringing it up to management and executive leadership? Because that's where you can really um, make change and attract diverse talent. If, if I'm trying to bring diverse talent in and that diverse talent doesn't seem see leadership that looks like them, uh, they may stay uh, for a little while, yeah. they're not gonna stay yeah. Yeah. So we have, and we see that in women. We've seen it for for decades. I've been in the profession for decades, and I will tell you, women have options, and they are not going to. And and you've seen this. If they come into a company and it doesn't give them leadership opportunity, it hasn't given them opportunity to advance, then they're going to go somewhere else. Um, and and you know, it's there's some interesting statistics about women that uh, Society for Women Engineers has put put, put out. Um, about women leaving the profession, leaving engineering. And most anecdotally, most would say that women leave the profession for um, perhaps to spend more time with their family, uh, maybe during childbearing years, whatever. 
In actuality, 50%, and this was the leading reason, 50% was about working conditions, um, lack of advancement, mm. lower salary, um, mm. too much travel, so too much expectations without reward. Yeah. Um, then the next highest reason was um, they didn't like the workplace environment. They didn't feel like they belonged uh, their, within their boss or, or their culture. Huh. And then finally, after that, it was spending more time with their family. So I yeah. think we need huh. to recognize wow. that yeah. that we are maybe misdiagnosing mm-hmm. and uh, and listen to what those are. And a really interesting finding we found was that when women left um, engineering, two thirds went on to um, work full time in another field where they were given executive or leadership positions. So why are they not being able to find those within the engineering profession as easily as yeah. maybe other professions? I think those are some questions we need to ask each other. Hmm. Yeah. So, so Laura, is there anything specific that you can attribute your personal success in your profession? That's a great question. Um, a couple of things. I'm pretty tenacious. And so personally, I think there was an opportunity for me to persevere. Um, I I told you before I got my professional engineering license um, that I'm really proud of that. I think when we, we strive to achieve kind of that professional um, um, advancement and then then kind of that 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 sense of integrity within our profession that to me meant a lot and so i was not going to give that up i wasn't i didn't want to go into another profession i wanted to be in engineering Mm -hmm. Um, and that's what i devoted myself to i think beyond that um so that was internal externally i took advantage of mentorship and sponsorship um i did not have mentors or sponsors that looked like me quite frankly. And yeah. I, I suspect that if I had, I would have kind of achieved faster and maybe a little less circuitously. Mm, yeah. Um, but I did understand um, how valuable mentor and spon- mentors and sponsors have been. They've been critical. Yeah. They need to be. So now that is something that I devote a lot of time to is mentoring and sponsoring women who are rising stars in the profession. Yeah, good good for you. Good for you. And, and, and many do, so. Yeah, that, that's terrific. And Laura, can you give us maybe any examples of where you've seen diversity and inclusion work for the betterment of a company or organization? You know, I think that where it's worked well is when it started with inclusion. And I, mm. I I, I, I think I think I mentioned inclusion is the climate where diversity thrives. So if you, yes. if you start with that um, and also focus on measurable um, increases in diversity and measurable intentional um, success in, in bringing in a diverse workforce, that combination and maybe even starting with inclusion is where you where you see greater success. I have seen um, companies that do that really well. Um, and this is anecdotal. This is companies that I've observed and that I know um, 
from the feedback of colleagues uh, that they they um, tell me um, are valued for their diversity and inclusion. It's where that inclusion has been, um, kind of the, the, the framework for diversity. Um, even then, there have been huge challenges. I know these companies um, are constantly having to, to kind of re-touch um, the pulse of what they're doing and make sure that it's, it's, it's working. Where diversity is looked at as kind of a check the box, we really want to, to focus on, on you know, increasing the numbers and, and uh, bringing in a more diverse work, workplace, but where the climate has not um, nurtured that. Mm. You just yeah. see, see that workforce go yeah. away and go yeah. somewhere. Yeah. So that, that to me is a lot of um, where the focus needs to be now is yeah. on on inclusion and inclusion looks differently i think in at, at different companies um, because diversity might look different at different companies um, so it's a very personal brand yeah yeah hmm. well, laura we are just about out of time here but if you've got any pearls of wisdom for the audience to take away wow that's a that's a great question um I think for me, diversity and inclusion is about understanding and awareness. And the best advancement I've seen personally has, has been when I've understood that it's usually a lack of awareness. Like there has been um, an opportunity to educate. Um, those around me on on perhaps unconscious bias or or yeah. where language might be might, mm -hmm. might change just very simple things so coming at um an understanding of diversity and inclusion from an opportunity to educate yeah is, is i think a really healthy way to do that yeah then that's a great takeaway and, and so, so, Laura, if somebody wanted to get a hold of you, either for your um, on the professional side or if they needed a little bit of mentoring, how would somebody get a hold of you? I know you're on LinkedIn. I am. I am. And I, I will say that for some of, some of you that uh, I've been in the profession for a long time, but I just recently changed my name. So it was Laura Reinbold and it's uh, now register. And so it's changed on LinkedIn and it's changed on my email address, which is Laura, L-A-U-R-A dot register at terracon.com um, or LinkedIn yeah. either way okay that's terrific and uh, Laura I re really appreciate your time and sharing some wisdom and, and uh, making me a better person well right back at you Brian thank you for <laughs> the time. I, I appreciate it and, and best to you and, and to you yeah and I hope uh, we get through this pandemic sooner yeah. rather than later and we can get on with our regular life <laughs> that's right that's right take care you too luck. laura thanks thanks you too bye bye-bye well that's it i'm brian and this is behind the scenes with brian until next time keep on rocking